0: Good morning, everybody. He's behind you. So you can see that this morning we are a little stripped back in terms of uh, not in terms of worship, might I add, but uh, we're a little stripped back in terms of our PA system uh, because great because Nathan and Diane had a little bit baby boy a couple of days ago. Little Joshua, so be praying for them um, as they enter into the wonderful world of parenting. Um, so, we have been... Ah, uh, seamless. We've been looking at worldview, and we've been looking at what a worldview is. I'm going to give a brief overview, and this week we're looking at worry or peace. See, these things aren't good for my health. You see when I'm doing a message on worry? The opportunities are, it's like, come on, have a wee bit of worry. So you're learning something, and you got to learn it before you can speak about it. Isn't that Right. So, worldviews, they are like glasses. Props aren't on just for that, just so I can see. They're like glasses. They edit things out. They uh, can let you see things that you maybe don't need to see. They can also uh, take away from your sight the things that you really do need to see. So, it really distorts your reality. It's how we look at things. It can be cultural. It can be just how we've thought about things, how we've been taught. It can be your own family culture. I don't know about you, but any of those who are parents, whenever Claire and I started to parent our children, the two family cultures that we were raised up in all of a sudden came together and wanted to go... And we had to figure out how we can actually dovetail them together. So we all come from our own microcosm of cultures as well. So I was going to tell you just a story in terms of... I want to talk just a little bit about what a paradigm shift is. So I was in Ghana in West Africa. We were in a house in North Ghana. I was there for... uh, couple of months in the country of Ghana, and we're in this house for about four or five weeks. The house was really dark, as in spiritually dark. There were strange things that would happen, like you would wake up bolt upright, terrified, really, really weird things. And then we discovered that how they lay the foundations to the house is they sacrifice animals to the ancestors. They do blood sacrifice to really demons. It's not good. So anyway, there was a guy that was part of the team. I'm telling you all this because the story builds. So there was a guy that was part of the team that I didn't really gel with, Don't, not that you would ever have that experience. He just was kind of awkward and I just really, he was in that category in my head of be nice but ignore. So he just was kind of there. So we were having all of this trouble in the house. We had this awful storm one night and I saw uh, like th- like there was lightning and wind and rain and th- there was a thunderbolt hit the ground about uh, 100 feet away and you could see the sparks flying off. And in the storm it was there was an insanity. I felt like I was gonna lose my mind. It was just dark. The whole place was dark. So we decided that we would take communion. And we did it with, I don't know, bread and coke or something. We we decided we'd take communion in the house. The next day I woke up and I completely saw this guy that annoyed me in a completely different light. I I, I can't I mean all of a sudden I was looking at him going, This guy is incredible. He was spiritually mature. He, he just had insight into things. I wanted to know what he thought about. I wanted to be around him. What is that? Why, why would that happen all of a sudden? Well, what it was, was it was a power encounter. The presence of the Spirit lifted off what was a bit of a worldview or what something that was causing me not to see him for who he was. And my sight was opened up and it was changed. So in all of this we need to understand what these things are, but really where the gold is is whenever we, we call you forward for the opportunity for ministry or when you're in worship. Second Corinthians 3:17. when we encounter God, when we lift the veil, we are transformed when we see him. So as we encounter him in worship, as we encounter him in the prayer meeting, which I would highly recommend, um, as we encounter him at the end for ministry, that's where we're really changed. But we also need to understand what's going on as well. So that's why we're going into all of this. It was a night and day difference, completely night and day difference. We are changed as we encounter him. A paradigm shift via our power encounter. So we want to get this in line. We're transformed by the renewing of our minds. And we're also transformed when we see him. Okay? well all with me? So, another story. Today we're talking about worry or peace, you know, like this one. So, I was about two weeks into my new job, and I went into the car, my little proton savvy, the wee bug, and I turned the engine, and it ticked over once, and it just nothing happened. And do you know the way that when that happens, you're in disbelief for the first while, and you think, no, no, it's going to be all right. Then you turn it again, and as you turn it for the sixth time, you realize, no, no, this isn't disbelief. This car is not going anywhere. So I rang work. I just had started my job. I rang work and said to the boss, this is what's happened. She went, Oh, take it easy. Sure, what can you do? What did I do? I did not take it easy. I was stressed. I gave in to the. why is this happening? This is ridiculous. <laughs> rang the AA. I'm sorry, sir, it's going to be about an hour and 45 minutes. Do you realize how much money I have paid to you? Why are you not doing this service? And they're all going, sir, I'm just communicating. I thought, this is not good calling. This isn't doing well. My little daughter comes out of the car and she says, Daddy, how are you doing? And I went, eh, Anna, just the, the car's not starting. The car's not starting. And she'd overheard the conversation, I think, with Denise, my boss. And she said, Denise said to take it easy, Daddy. Why, why are you getting so upset? Anna, this is one of these adult things. You just need to go inside now. Go inside now. So I decided to worry rather than be at peace. So when we're talking about all of this, please know that I have not got this completely down. There are some things that I've got down about it. But as we journey into this, this is all about opportunities. So that could have gone as in, well, this is a little bit of window and I may as well chill out and actually let the AA man take his time because it was just a bit of time to relax. The authority above my head and work was saying, just relax, there's nothing you can do. So what was it that was keeping me so agitated? Good that you asked that question. Thank you very much for doing that. So, worry. What is worry? Well, the dictionary defines it as to expend careful thought or to concern oneself to have thoughts occupied with, or to feel an interest in, or to torment oneself or suffer from disturbing thoughts or fret. Has anybody ever had a thought that disturbs them, causes them threat, or someone like torment? Yes, everybody's nodding. I think we've all had that experience. So what is worry? Well, worry, really biblically defined, would be meditating on a lie. So it's basically taking the husk of a lie and starting to peel it like an onion. Just taking it layer off layer, off layer off layer, and it's demonically influenced. If it's lie, it hasn't got truth in it, it has its root in the demonic world. Okay? So as we worry, we're really, it's the adverse of what meditation would be. You're just thinking about it, and thinking about it again, and thinking about it again. It's a bit like watching a movie that you shouldn't be watching. At some point, there's one of those scenes where you just know you've been slimed. It's just, I really, anybody else done that one? You're like, I just, I knew that I shouldn't have watched that, and you just feel yuck after it. So worry really unpacks the lie and as you unpack the lie, tell me do you find freedom when you unpack a lie? Does it help you? Does it make you feel in a wonderful place? Is it like the truth and sets you free? No, it just drags you deeper and deeper and deeper down. In Proverbs 15 it talks about um, a deceptive tongue crushes the spirit. Okay, So I would use that a lot if there's something that, you know, if somebody saying something to me or I read something or something really hits me and it kind of slimes me and I feel that kind of crushing feeling. Whether it seems true or not, I'm going to kick it out because it's a deceptive tongue. A deceptive tongue crushes the spirit. Worry is an invitation to play with the dark stuff, basically. It's an invitation to to just look at and to stare at and try to unpack it, like I've already said. And remember, the strategy of the enemy is John 10, 10. 10a, which is steal, kill and destroy. And he tries to get the best and the maximum out of all three. And the way that he does it that seems to have most success is he will have you uh, fear and fret and worry about your future, about something that has not happened and will likely not happen. And even if it does, God's going to be with you. He will have you be all concerned about what's to come and steal from you in the present. Gets both done. He steals from your future and also steals from your present by making you tense in the present tense just makes you all threatened and worried and concerned about it. Now, has that been your experience too? You just are consumed with it. You can't, for me, if there's something that's really troubling me and causing me fear, if I yield to it, I don't want to eat. I'm not really concerned with anything else. My emotions feel sort of dead. I feel kind of numb. I'm not interested in the things that would normally give me life. It just steals away from life. Worry prophesies about a future without God. How many times have we said, if that happened to me, I couldn't cope? We've all done it, haven't we? If that, if that house burnt down, if that happened, if this happened, I couldn't cope. Well, the truth is that God's always going to be with you. The truth is that His grace is enough. So is it true that you couldn't cope? Would you enjoy it if it happened? No, it's not. We're not saying that bad stuff doesn't happen. But what we are saying is in the middle of the bad stuff, He is with you. So that thing about if that happened, I couldn't cope. <gasps> Oh dear, no, he's with you. I hate the dentist. I absolutely hate the dentist. But what I find is that in the middle of that most horrible of experiences that I have to part with money for, he's really with me. So I just go, my God. Oh God, oh God, it hurts at all. But do you know, as much of a wuss as I am, God never leaves me. Do you know, it's never the mountains that get me down. It'll be the stones in my shoes. So it's the stuff like the dentist getting a filling. That's the stuff that really is going to steal worry or steal life. But God's with me when I get a filling. He's with you if your life falls apart. He's with you if that person dies. He's with you if that deal doesn't work. He's with you if you're made redundant. For those of us who have been, he is. So he's going to be with you. His grace is enough. In Hebrews 13:5, I will never leave you or forsake you. It's believe in death when life is promised. And it's widely, widely accepted. Hello, my name's Colin, and I'm a warrior. Oh, are you a warrior? Oh, I'm a warrior too. How many of you, well, you don't have to agree, uh, put your hands up, but how many of us have said that I'm a warrior? Oh, I'm a warrior. It's just the way I am, you know. It's just how it is. I was kind of born this way. Really? What you're saying at that point is, I can do nothing about it. This is the way it is. I just have to live with that. (laughs) Or, did Jesus die to actually say, no, no, you can hold your thoughts captive. That's not your identity. That's not who you are. You can speak life over yourself. The Bible says that there's life or death in the power of the tongue. So, what do you know if we say, I'm a warrior? All you're doing is just making an agreement that means that they have every right to cause you hassle, that the enemy has every right to chuck thoughts at you here or chuck thoughts at you there or bring circumstances and go, Oh, what if that happened to you? What if you lost your job? What if that happened there? Oh, well, I'm a warrior, so that's what I'm going to do. Well, that's not really the truth. You're not trapped, you're not stuck. And part of what I'm here to say today is there's power here for change. But the responsibility is on us. I think if we're being honest, that's a bit that I don't like very much. It means that I have to do something and I have to access His grace. Jesus said in John 8, 31 and 32, If you hold to my teaching, you are really my disciples. Then you will know the truth and the truth will set you free. So let's talk a little bit about the power of thoughts and the power of words. So Proverbs 23.7, as you think in your heart, so you are. So I'd said a little bit about it before. The spiritual word works on agreements. So we make agreement with the truth, and we say, yes, I believe that. Or we make agreement with the lie, and we go, yes, I believe that. They are all progressive. One goes down the way, and one goes up the way, but there's never a plateau. So we are either going, I'm a warrior, and just in this context, I am a warrior, therefore that happens therefore that happens therefore that happens you're basically giving ground yes you can do that to me well because i'm a warrior then it means you can cause me thoughts well if i'm a warrior then i'm going to think those thoughts well i'm going to feel crushed because i'm a warrior therefore i'm just going to go deeper into that and well actually because i'm a warrior and i believe that i should be fearful about that i'm going to let my life shrink and I'm going to say, no, I can't do that, I'm scared of heights, don't like this, scared of this, scared of that. Well, because I agreed I'm a warrior there, well, I'm a warrior, so therefore I'm going to worry about that a bit more. Get the picture? Whereas whenever we make agreements with God, what he does is he says, I don't think you're a worrier. Oh. I don't think that you need to, you maybe feel fear. I don't like heights. Maybe feel fear whenever you're in that place. Just because I feel it doesn't mean that it's true. Well, I actually can speak life over myself. I'm a child of God. He's never going to leave me. If that circumstance happened, I wouldn't enjoy it. He's never going to leave me. So we take the ground back. So as we do that, we use our tongues. Proverbs 18:21, death and life are in the power of the tongue, and they that love it shall eat its fruit. So we want to speak words of power and life over ourselves. It could seem a wee bit like one of those motivational speakers. Today's going to be a good day, folks. Well, actually, this is about not about it being a good day. This is about us believing the truth. We don't want to be standing up here going, everything's rosy in life when it's not. But we do want to believe the truth in the middle of those circumstances. Jesus said, in this world you will have trouble, but take heart of overcome the world. So we're not denying reality. We're just saying in the presence, the deeper reality is, it's going to be all right. We don't need to worry. Deuteronomy 30:18. Joshua said this over the people: "This day I call the heavens and the earth as witnesses against you, that I have set before you life and death, blessings and curses. Now choose life, so that you and your children may live." This is not just about us. This is about those we work with. This is about those that we live with. This is about our children. This is about children that haven't even been born yet. So, what are we going to choose today? Is it going to be life, or is it going to be death? Life. Sounds like a plan. I can say amen to that. Um, what does God say about worrying? He says, don't. Well, that's easy for him. Well, it doesn't really matter whether it's easy for him or not. He's told us to not do it. Now, if you believe that your identity is that you're a warrior, you're not going to listen to that, because you're going to believe that actually it's beyond your control. Well, let part of this message be going, no, 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 this is in your control. You know in uh, Take Me Out, not that every of you have ever seen it, but you know at the end, whenever he says, the power is in your hands. The power is in your hands. So these are your choices to make. So you're responsible. Today, if you didn't know that, you're moving from a place of ignorance to a place of truth. Therefore, I hate to tell you this, If you're deciding not to do something about this, you're actually standing in rebellion. That maybe feels like manipulation. It's not. just the truth. If you know that you have got the power to change something and you're not letting it change and you're moaning about the fact that it hasn't, then you stand condemned in that sense. Now, the Bible says that uh, those who are in Christ don't have any condemnation, so I'm not talking about that. What I'm saying is, that whenever you know that you can change something and you're unhappy that it's not changing, then who's responsible? God's already done it. He's already paid the price, and he's already made it possible. So the power is in your hands. I wish I could do a good, uh, what do you call him, Paddy McGinnis? Let me read a couple of verses. Psalm 37, 8. Do not fret, it only leads to evil. Short and sweet. Matthew 625 to 34, "'Therefore I tell you, do not worry about your life, "'what you will eat or drink, about your body, "'what you will wear, is life not more than food, "'and your body more than clothes. "'Look at the birds of the air, "'they do not sow or reap or store away food, "'and yet their heavenly Father feeds them. "'Are you not much more valuable than they? "'Can any one of you by worrying "'add a single hour to your life? "'And why do you worry about your clothes?' See how the flowers of the field grow, they do not labor or spin. Yet I tell you that not even Solomon in all his splendor was dressed like one of these. If that is how God clothes the grass of the field, which is here today and tomorrow is thrown into the fire, how much more will he clothe you, you of little faith? So don't worry saying, what shall we eat or what shall we drink or what shall we wear? For the pagans run after these things and your heavenly father knows that you need them but seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, and all these things will be given to you as well. Therefore, do not worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will worry about itself, and each day has enough trouble of its own. So what do you think? Do you want to actually go, no, I don't want to do this anymore? When that opportunity to worry comes, there's another way of doing things. You can go, no, I am not yielding to this, and we're going to talk about that at the end. But for a minute, we're going to talk about peace. Let's go up the mountain into the happy place for a while. So peace, as a dictionary defines it, is freedom from disturbance. Quite like that. Let's go to Isaiah 26, 3 or 4, if you can put it in front of you. It's a great verse to have. It says in the Amplified, You will keep in perfect and constant peace the one whose mind is steadfast, that is, committed and focused on you in both its inclination and its character. Because he trusts and takes refuge in you with hope and confident expectation. Trust confidently in the Lord forever. He's your fortress, your shield, and your banner. For the Lord God is an everlasting rock. He is the rock of ages. Perfect peace. Absolute and utter perfect peace. I've tasted it. I don't live it all the time yet. I've used this point before, just because I haven't been to Uzbekistan doesn't mean that it doesn't exist. If I do, I'm a megalomaniac or a narcissist, one of the two. Just because that we haven't experienced perfect peace all the time doesn't mean that it's not possible. So take the invitation of that today. He is saying that if you trust in him, keep your thoughts on him, then perfect peace is what you can have. And as I said, I'm going to go through how we do that at the end here. So peace is not about subjective circumstances. It is not about everything going well. It is not about how we feel. It is not about what's said to us, what's done to us. It's not about that. Peace is objective and it's based on God who does not ever change. He is the same yesterday, today, and forever. So it is based and has its focus on him. Peace transcends and passes all understanding. So it doesn't have to be figured out just has to be enjoyed. Do you know Psalm 131? It's where David talks about, I've stilled and quieted my soul. and made it like a weaned child. I don't concern myself about matters too great with me. I just basically tell my soul to focus on God. So as we do that, the other thing I would testify to you is the more that I've kind of gone, I don't need to be involved in understanding this and understanding that. Ironically, my understanding has increased. So the very things that I was going, you know, I'm not going to try and puff up myself with knowledge. Actually, I, I, I think I start to understand things more freely and fully because peace is actually the soil of revelation as well. Have you found that if you're trying to hear from God, if you're really, really agitated, you normally don't hear from him. He'll speak to you when you're doing something else. Why do you think he speaks to you at nighttime in dreams? Well, and also you're out of the picture. He speaks to you and tells you things that really... Normally, uh, dreams are symbolic. If you have a dream uh, and it then comes to pass as in you've just dreamt reality, then that's a vision in the night. If you have a dream, um, it's symbolic and it needs interpretive, and that's something that we know a bit about. And if you've had dreams, then certainly uh, talk to me about that and we can get an interpretation for you. Really, really interesting stuff. I've had some incredible ones. And actually, you know... It's not stuff that I'm thinking about. It's not stuff that I've conjured up. In fact, that's the the bit that's really quite shocking, is that God's speaking about something and dropping something in that is not dropped into my worldview and how I understand it. It's not got tainted by, by how I would perceive it. If you want to hear from God, focus on him. Get at peace. As you do, you'll hear him much more readily. Peace is the soil of revelation. The other thing about peace is it's really nice. It's really lovely. I would far rather be at peace. My family would far rather that I'm at peace than I'm agitated or worrying about something. I'm better to be around. I'm a better version of myself when I'm at peace. Would that be the same for any of you here? So we want to make the journey from worry to peace. You are the tree and not the ivy that grows up. But if you struggle with fear, anxiety, and worry, and you've said that I'm a worrier, you want to go in Jesus' name. That is not the truth. You are the tree, you are not the ivy that grows up it. And all us gardeners know that there's a million and one ways to get rid of weeds. You just need to kill them. Pull them out by the roots, don't let them grow again. And if you see a trace of them, you yank them out of the ground. You are not a worrier, you are a new creation. And remember Proverbs 23, 7, As you think in your heart, so you are. As you start to believe the truth, often the lie at the start will feel truer than the truth makes sense doesn't it it just seems that well that seems real but as you stand and go no i'm actually going to go for objective truth here as you do that the emotions that you feel start stop being rebellious as well so they start to then yield themselves to what the spirit is revealing so just because you feel it for those of you who are feelers that's possibly going to be the most significant death is where you have to go I don't feel this is true and then you start feeling accused or you be an integrus. Anybody else had that t shirt? But as you stand and go, No, I'm just going to believe the truth here. God says that I am not aware, therefore I'm not going to receive that anymore. Therefore I'm not going to speak that over my life. I'm going to say, No, I can be at peace. God's promised me perfect peace. And as you do that and continue to do that, then your emotions will start to come on the journey as well. So what do we do? Well, Romans twelve two, be transformed by the renewing of your mind. So we know that we are utterly changed when we encounter him and when we think about things differently. 2 Corinthians 10.5 Hold every thought captive and lead it away in obedience to Jesus Christ. As you start to hold your thoughts captive, I guarantee you that you will start to have in your head, this is not possible. That's also a lie. It's meant to crowd you out so you don't go there. Once you get over that, remember, uh, I was going to say remember Forrest Gump when he was on the island, mixing the movies there. Remember in Castaway, whenever he came to the breaker in the water, he stuck his sail up and he was able to sail over. So at the points where you start to get intimidated by the lie, which says this will never change, this is who you are, you've done this and been like this for 20, 25, 30, 40 years, whatever, five years, it's just never going to change. You just keep going. And they start to say, "It's impossible to hold your thoughts captive. That is not possible. Perfect pace. That's not possible. You just keep going. Just stop listening to the wrong voices and listen to the one that matters. And as it crescendos, and I guarantee your emotions may feel like you're being choked. Just go, no, I'm not doing this. I said before about I was uh, a couple of years ago. I was um, loading the dishwasher. And I was just, my thoughts were crowding me and coming all over me about all of the different things that I had to do. We're all busy. Just really, and then this swelling of overwhelming came over me. Um, and I'd had this experience a few times. And when it came, I just went, no. And it stopped. And I wasn't overwhelmed anymore. And I felt at Peace. So at the point where it all crowds in and it all crescendos, if you hold on, if you don't let go, flip your sail up, connect with God, you will sail over to the other side and you'll find yourself in this place going, what else isn't true? What else have I been restricted by? What else have I made agreement with and said, I can't do that? What other things have you given ground to? So as you take one bit of ground, you'll see a load of other to take back. Proverbs 15.4, I've said this before, a deceptive tongue crushes the spirit. If you feel crushed at all, ditch it out. Don't need to listen to that stuff. God's a big enough God that if there are issues that you need to deal with, that he will speak them to you. And he will speak them to you in a way and with someone who knows you and deeply loves you. If you have people coming along, I I remember uh, I was in a, it was a discipleship year and somebody came along and shared something with me and it was one of those, you know, you just need to grow up a bit. I just felt totally and utterly slammed. Now, there was an element of truth in what she, I did, did need to grow up. Of course, we all do all the time. But there was just something about it and it just felt like it was on me and it just felt like I wanted to think about it all the time but I knew that if I held my thoughts captive that they would have to uh, yield themselves to Jesus and it just stopped. It was all right. And I think probably later on then somebody came and said it's just a process of maturity. It's just a different spirit was in work in the one which seemed like the truth when the Holy Spirit comes and says you just need to mature. It's totally different when someone says you need to grow up. Well, how are they different? Same words. Mm, It's not the same spirit. So, if you get that crushing feeling, use that as basically like an umpire. If you have that crushing feeling about anything, just ditch it out. We want to go for life. And Jesus said in John 8 32, If you hold to my teaching, you are really my disciples. Then you will know the truth, and the truth will, will set you free. If you're playing with a lie, you'll get into deeper and deeper bondage. If you're playing with and enjoying and meditating on the truth, you know the more that you meditate on the truth, it's exactly the same. The enemy didn't come up with the the idea of worry and meditation. He twisted meditation into worry. You know, you just play with it, play with it, and you find dark stuff in it. God came up with the idea of meditation, which is basically taking the other onion and peeling it. And as you peel it, you start to get greater and greater revelation about stuff. As you think about things, pray about things, what he's done for you, who you really are in Christ. And here's the biggie. Put your filter in your mind. Philippians 4, verse 8. This would be a bit of a life verse for me. Finally, believers. I thought that was interesting. Believers. What do you believe? We are categorized as being believers. Well, we want to be sure about what we're believing. Finally, believers, whatever is true whatever is honorable and worthy of respect, whatever is right and confirmed by God's word, whatever is pure and wholesome, whatever is lovely and brings peace, what do your thoughts bring? What's the fruit of your thoughts? If they're not bringing peace, Jesus said we would know we would know them by their fruit. So if your thoughts aren't bringing peace, well then, don't let it pass through the filter. Whatever is admirable and of good repute, If there's anything excellent, if there's anything worthy of praise, think continually on these things. Center your mind on them and implant them in your heart. Does that sound like a plan? Or are some of you thinking, I don't know, but you know, you're saying this. That might be fine for you. Don't do that. This is for you. This is all possible. This is a better way of living. It's nice to have a mind that's at peace. If you're suffering torment, this is a doorway out of it. If you're standing in a bit of a pit and it just you're just stuck, these are the steps to get out of it. Remember when in Indiana Jones and um, in the Last crus- was it the Last Crusade? And he had to take the leap from the lion's mouth. You remember that bit? No, you're looking at me blankly. Okay, Indiana Jones, there's this bit. He has to go through these kind of trials to get to the Holy Grail. Um, and there's one bit where it says he has to make a leap from the lion's den. He's looking, he can't see anything. And he just goes, closes his eyes and goes, he can hear, oh God, oh God, and makes a step. And as he does the grind, there's a the pathway that's completely hidden and camouflaged. So as we do this, this is real. This really is real. It's really, really possible. Can I get the, the worship guys up? So the other part of this message is, and it's, it's, it is great news, but it's not great news. We've got work to do. We have got to recognize that this is our responsibility. So if you want to come out of any of these places, any of these pits, any of these dungeons, you're going to have to start to make these steps because Jesus has done it for you already. Dallas Willard, um, a theologian, said that grace is not opposed to effort. We have to apply these things. We have to grab our thoughts by the scruff of the neck and go, you don't stand, get out. We have to use our tongues in a way that are positive and speak like life over ourselves. And the part to change is right here and right now. So can I get us all to stand together? So this morning, as always, uh, there's going to be a time of ministry, and I would encourage you. I've got some questions to help you to respond. But as always, just come up anyway. We want to be eating whatever Holy Spirit's serving. So if you would have described yourself as a worrier, if you've gone, oh no, that's me, then I would encourage you to respond. Has worry stolen life from you? Has it stolen what you believed was possible? Has it stolen relationships? Has it stolen time? Has it been years, weeks, opportunities? Or do you desire to change and live with God's peace? If that's you, then come and join me at the front line. So as always, we're going to worship together. And as we worship together, he's going to come. And as he comes, let's just engage him. Come, Holy Spirit.